Amen. Today we're going to go into the Word, and we're going to continue where we left off last sat last Sunday. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and once you just get your hearts right to hear what the Lord has to tell us. Father, we love you. We thank you. We bless you for the opportunity you give us, Lord, to come together as a church. It is a privilege to gather. It is a privilege to congregate. It is a privilege to come together. And you said, God, in, in Psalms 133, God, Lord, oh, Lord, how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to come together. My God, something happens in a place like this when we come together in your name and in the power of your name. And so, Father God, we pray in the name of Jesus that as we get ready to receive your word, that our ears may be tuned, my God, and our hearts may be right, and our disposition may be available for you to do what you want to do in us, God. We thank you, God, for being the Lord of this church. We thank you, God. You are the God. You are the pastor of this church. And you give us the honor to work alongside you and see you do what you're doing in this place. And so we thank you. And Father God, I pray, Lord, that the message of the birth of Christ today in our hearts may remind us, God, of who you are and what you've done for us. And may we always be thankful, grateful, and with a spirit of servanthood, Lord, to those who do not know this great gospel of grace. Speak to us, Lord. I decrease so that you may increase. I can't do this, God, without you, Lord. So please, just be upon me, Lord, and use me and, and do whatever you want, God. I make myself available to you, God, to use me. Lord, you, you, you use the donkey, God. Use me, Lord. And I promise that I will give you all of the honor. In your name we pray. <clears throat> um, there's nothing better than being a Christian. Let me tell you that. Um, there's nothing better than being in the will of God. And I am thankful. I am thankful to be part of number of the saved ones. More than being a pastor or a leader, I am just thankful to be saved. And sometimes we, we, we take our salvation ever so lightly. We take it so lightly. And life takes its course and we do everything that we do. And in the midst of all that we do, we forget that we were once bound. We forget that we were on our way to hell. And Jesus made a bridge. Jesus made a bridge. And so I'm grateful for my salvation. I am grateful. And may we never forget the cross. May we never forget that who we are is because of what Jesus did. And I don't know why I'm saying this, but I, I just want us to cherish our salvation. We get to be saved. It's a privilege to be saved. It's a privilege that God 
saved us. And when you look at Christianity from that perspective, everything else that you have is, is an add-on. When you look at everything from that perspective, until being saved is my greatest joy. More than a gift and a Christmas and a tree and a just being saved, man, being saved. I remember where I was when I wasn't saved. I remember the course that life had destined for me absent from God. And I see all that God has done and all that God has done and all that God has done. And so I say thank you. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for the church. Thank you for saving me. Thank you. If you do nothing else in my life, Lord, I am eternally grateful. Eternally grateful. Why don't you make that your prayer today? Just thank him. I know you want more money and a bigger house and a nicer car, and but just thank him for where you're at right now. Thank him for now. Thank you, Lord. Help me to be faithful. Help me to be true. Help me. Help us, Lord. In your name we pray. I'm almost 50, y'all. be 50 in May, and I guess the older you get, the more you want to cry. But the younger you are, the younger you are, the less around people you want to be. The older you get, the more you want to be around people. And I'm not saying I'm old. I'm at a place in my life where little things mean more to me. The little things in my life. When you're young, you want a house and you want money and you want. When you're my age, you're like, Lord, I'm just thankful that you've been faithful. I'm just thankful that I'm healthy. That I'm saved. Things change when you grow. Things change when you mature. And, and I am I am happy to be saved. I'm happy to be saved. And so may we live out our salvation. When the Bible says to live it out with fear and trembling, it's not afraid. It's reverence. It's, you know how, you know, if you had a, I don't know, $1 million diamond ring, every day after you wear it, you put it in a safe. Not because you're afraid of it. You're just protecting it. So when the Bible says walk out your faith in fear and trembling, it's like that not afraid that I'm going to go to hell. No. I value my salvation so much. I just want to be in a place that nothing gets in my way. I want to be around people that doesn't affect. But it's not that I'm afraid that I'm going to go to hell if the trumpet sound. No. My faith in Christ is greater than sin around me. My faith in Christ and God's promise is bigger. 
So I cherish my salvation. Do the same, church. Anyway, let's continue. Uh, we're on week two of Christmas in reverse uh, based on our theme, The Promise. And uh, week one, uh, Pastor Dennis uh, shared last Sunday um, three points based on in Jesus' birth, he became our Savior. In Jesus' birth, he became our Christ, and he became our Lord. But Dennis was, was sharing with us the narrative from the gospel according to St. Matthew. When you look at the three accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three write of Jesus, all three of them. John, in his gospel, doesn't write about the birth of Jesus because his focus is not to talk about how he was born. John's focus is to establish that he is God. So he doesn't talk about his birth. But when you look at Matthew, when you look at Mark, when you look at Luke, and how they paint the picture of Christ, they have different perspectives. It's like I have Maria, Stephanie, and Tanya. And I tell them, I want you to look at this desk stool, whatever you call it. And I want you to tell me what do you see from it. Maria may say, well, it's, it's black. Stephanie may say, it's round. Tiny may say, it's four feet tall. They all gave different answers, but they're all right answers. Because they all expressed it from their perspective. When you read the Gospels pertaining to Christ... Matthew is writing, one, his take on Christ. And then the other thing that he adds to that is the people he's writing to. So Matthew writes to the Jews. Mark, the disciple, he writes to the believers. Luke, in his presentation, he writes to Gentiles and believers. So, in their presentation of Christ, they're going to highlight some things that the others may not highlight. So, you'll hear a story that Jesus healed some lepers. But then, when you read Luke's story, he doesn't say it was some lepers, he says it was 10 lepers. It's not a contradiction. Because of the audience, they're writing, they're emphatic on specific things. Particularly, last Sunday when Dennis was talking about the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 1, verse 18 says, So the birth of Jesus was in this wise. When Mary was the spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was conceived with the Holy Spirit. And the angel said to Mary, Mary, blessed are thou among women. Lo and behold, you shall conceive a son, and his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save the people of his sins, of their sins. Right? That's Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. But what does Matthew does, verses 1 through 17? Remember, Matthew is writing to the Jews. Which, by the way, the Jews, the Jews in Israel until today 
do not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Matter of fact, the Jews right now, in the, Israel, the Israelites in Israel are still waiting for the Messiah to come. So Matthew's presentation to the Jews was and is, Jesus was here, y'all, y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. That's why Matthew says, and they put on the cross a sign in Latin that says king of the Jews. He was emphatic in that because his presentation in the gospel of Matthew is to let the Jews know he's king. So he, before he talks about the birth of Jesus, verse 18, chapter 1 of Matthew, he spends 17 verses creating a connection between Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, David, 1 Samuel 16, to Joseph, to Jesus. Why? Because every Jew revered Abraham. Every Jew revered King David. So, David, so Matthew was saying, I want you to know that I'm going to give you proof that this baby born Jesus that y'all rejected comes from the lineage of the people you revere. So when you read the gospel according to Matthew, Matthew wants to make sure that the Jews knows Jesus' lineage. And look how he starts verse 1 of chapter 1 of the gospel according to St. Matthew. He says, this is the genealogy of the Messiah. Look what he says, the son of David and the son of Abraham. From verse 2 to verse 17, and Abraham had a son. And this is the descendants of Abraham. And it goes out a bunch of names. And these are the descendants of David. And it has a bunch of names. And it goes all the way leading them to Jesus Christ. Because Matthew wants to make sure that the Jews that read this understand that this birth was not only messianic, it was prophetic, and it was destined to bring salvation to the Jews. Okay? So he starts. And in the midst of all of that genealogy, he talks about Jesus' mother by the name of Mary. And Joseph, who was not his biological father, he was his surrogate father. And both Mary and Joseph were part of the lineage of Abraham. Listen to me. Back in Genesis chapter 12. And the Bible says that the angel told Mary, Mary, look what he says. You will conceive and you will bear a child. Understand, church, that conceiving and birthing are two different realities. One thing is to conceive, and just so we can be clear on the definition, to conceive by definition means to become pregnant. But to give birth by definition means the emerging or the emergence of, new, of a new individual from the body of its parent. Why am I saying this? Because many people have conceived some things, but you haven't birthed them yet. There are people that have conceived. I know, I know people that have conceived. 
And unfortunately, they had miscarriages. And two months in, they've lost the baby. How many of us, God has spoken and conceived in our spirits a word, a promise, a blessing. And for whatever reason, for whatever reason, your problem was not conception. Your problem was birthing. We see this a lot. We see this a lot. People, people have a desire to, to be conceived. Oh, prophet, so-and-so is coming. Ooh, I want to get a word. I want to get, get filled with a word. And you see these prophets, and I love, I, I'm pro-prophets. I love prophets. And every time a prophet's in town, churches get packed. Oh, God, I hope he gives me a word. <laughs> and he passes everybody, and you mad nervous, and when he don't pass you, I get a word. He ain't speak to me. Listen, listen. How many times God gave you a word and you've done nothing with it? Whenever God gives you a word, you, you just conceive the promise. But conceiving without birthing, you're aborting your baby. You, you, you have to, you know, this is why when, when God speaks, listen, every time God gives me a word, I don't get excited at all. Because with that word comes a lot of responsibility. It's like when, a, when, a, when my daughter, my daughter's pregnant. My daughter's going to be pregnant. You know, I'm going to be a grandpa. Oh, God, I'm so hyped. Me for Richie, I'm going to be a grandpa. Right? My daughter's pregnant. She was mad hyped when she got pregnant. But you know what happened? There were some things she couldn't eat no more. There were some things she had to stop doing. That she loved to do. But with the conception in order to birth, you've got to make some adjustments. Right? And so, two weeks ago, we went on a family vacation to Aruba because the doctor said, after this week, you can't travel no more until you have the baby. It would be ironic and moronic for my daughter at the now in this state to start traveling and going 30,000 feet up high. She's going to, you know, my, my, my grandchild is going to blow up. So, 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 so she's got to, so she's got to not do something she likes. Listen, yesterday, yesterday, she was invited to an event with her girlfriends. And she's like, I can't. I can't. I have to protect my baby. I got to be careful. I, I, what if I trip and fall? I, I got to protect. I got to protect. Whenever God gives you a word and you conceive a word, you can't just take that word and go everywhere with anybody. Listen, when you get a word from the Lord, you got to protect your baby, protect your promise. And until you don't deliver that stuff, you cannot expose yourself to things and people and stuff that may harm the promise of God in your life. So it's not enough to conceive a word. You got to bring it forth. Now, timing is everything. Timing is everything. Being at the right time, at the right place, is important. So understand, you know, many people ask, Pastor, why, why? It would have been so much easier for Jesus to be born in 2020. Imagine if Jesus would have been born now. He would have been Instagram, social media. Imagine, imagine Jesus' profile at the age of three months. He would 
has 6.7 billion friends. Quick. I'm talking about quick. Every time he burped, 5 million likes. I mean, imagine. So why, why wouldn't Jesus be born now? It would have been better to have been born now because everybody could see it. Was, imagine Jesus preaching live streaming right now and the whole world could see it. Why didn't God bring Jesus in 2020? He brought him over 25, well, 2100 years ago. Look what Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Look what he says. He says, but when the time, remember, we're talking about the birth of Christ. When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. That's key. To do what? To redeem. See, these two words here are important. Under the law and redemption are two major realities of why Jesus can come in 2020. To redeem those under the law that we might receive, here's another phrase, adoption to sonship. So why Jesus didn't come in 2020? Here's why. The fulfillment of time. Something's needed to set in place for Jesus to come. Jesus couldn't come in a democratic, systemic society because we would not understand concepts like redemption and adoption and the law because we live in a democracy. So Jesus came, the fulfillment of time. Jesus came to do what? He came to establish the kingdom of heaven, right? He said, behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I've come to establish the kingdom. Everything for the majority of that, everything that Jesus taught, he taught about the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who went on a trip. The kingdom of God is like ten virgins. The kingdom of God. He was always talking about the kingdom of God. So Jesus came in on earth at a time where there was kingdoms which is not democracy. He came in a monarchical era, monarchy. He came in a time where there were sacrificing of animals, killing sheep. He came in a time of law, the Ten Commandments. Why did he come then? Because of what he came to do. If Jesus would have come now, talk about, I'm the Lamb of God, going to get crucified on the cross. Listen, we have laws in this country. You can't touch an animal. If you talk about carrying a cross and going to, to somewhere on a hill, getting nailed in your hands and feet, that's, that's crazy. So what Jesus came to do, had he come today, it wouldn't make sense. But it was the fullness of time. In other words, that phrase, fullness of time, the world was ready to embrace the concept that Jesus was coming to bring. The concept of a sacrifice of a lamb. We wouldn't understand that today. But in the times of the Bible, they understood what a sacrifice of a lamb meant. The concept of kingdom. We don't understand that because every four years, we exercise our right to vote. But kingdom means the king is in charge and he changes structure. This is, what, this is why Paul, Paul is telling us he couldn't come in 2020. It, that was not the time. 
Had he came today, it wouldn't make sense. He had to come when everything was set for what he was going to come to do was understandable to the people so they can embrace the sacrifice he was going to do for us. So not only was Mary had conceived, but timing played a key role as well. Where she was going to have her baby. Where she was going to have her child. Where she was going to bear the child, the savior of the world. And look what the Bible tells us. Luke chapter 2, verse 4 and 7. <clears throat> because she had a promise, but she couldn't bring it forth until she was at the right place and at the right time. Because timing is everything, y'all. Luke chapter 2, verse 4 and 7 says, So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. Understand, this chick is pregnant. She's got contractions. Her, her, her ankles, are, she don't got ankles, she got cankles. Swollen. Okay? Her back hurts. She ain't got, she ain't got, you know, uh, 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 she don't have a, a, a Tesla. She's got a donkey. <laughs> okay? Look what, Joseph, look what Joseph puts his wife through. They go from Nazareth and Galilee to Judea. From Judea to Bethlehem on a donkey. Why? 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 Here's why. Because he belonged to the house of the lineage or the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was engaged or pledged to be married to him, as was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, which means she had other children. She wrapped them in cloth and placed them in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So we see that Joseph was on the move. Because Joseph understood this child can, can't be born any other place than what has been prophesied. Listen, you can, be, you can conceive a promise, but if you're at the wrong place and at the wrong time, there's a probability you might abort the promise. So why from Galilee to Judea? And why? And why from Judea to Bethlehem? Why? Because Joseph belonged. That's what we read. He belonged to the lineage and the line of Bethlehem. Listen to me. Why Bethlehem? Here's why. Because of who Jesus was going to be. First of all, Bethlehem means in Hebrew, house of bread. And it's funny that in John chapter 6, verse 35, look what it says. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So why Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem? Because who he was going to be. His destiny was aligned with his location. Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. Why? Because Jesus is the bread of life. And Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem to connect his surrogate father and his mother to David. So that it could be a testimony to the world that this boy being born is not an accident. This is over 4,000 years of prophecies from Genesis 3.15 to the moment of his birth. Understand this. 
fulfilling every prophetic utterance that had been said of him before he was born. But in the middle of all this, there's a scandal, y'all. You know, we, we read, you know, we look at the manger. Some of y'all got mangers in the front of your backyard, in front of your house, and lit up your queue and a little, you know, little donkey and a little horse and a little sheep. And, 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 and it looks cute. But let me tell you, that, that little thing you have in front, of your lot, in, in front of your house, that was scandalous. That was a scandal. Because everybody knew that the rumor was, oh, that, that girl? She said, because she, because she prayed of the spirit. Imagine your wife. Newport Richie. Imagine your wife. Talk about, babe, uh, uh, I haven't had my menstrual in four months. I'm sorry to tell you this. But what happened was, one night I was sleeping, right? And then I, I noticed that the closet door opened. And a spirit came in the closet, and he came on me, and he told me that I'm going to get you pregnant with the Holy Spirit. And I really didn't believe him, but all of a sudden, and, he, and, you, and you husband looking at her like, you hoochie, you. <laughs> Imagine, scandalous, scandalous. Listen, listen, which by the way, from the book of Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, to the book of Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament, that page in the middle, 400 years gap, what, what a way to talk about Jesus with a scandal like that. Scandalous. So after, check it out, so after, after, after Matthew writes, verse 1 through 17, and this is the lineage of Abraham. And this is the descendants of, of, of David. And these are the descendants of Joseph. And to get to verse, now let's read the scandal of Jesus' birth. And this is how the birth of Jesus, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. Notice he mentions the Messiah. Because he's writing to the Jews who didn't believe he was the Messiah. So this is the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her. If I, listen, had I been Joseph? Right there and then, as soon as she told me I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant with the Holy Spirit, right there and then I went on Facebook and changed my status quick. Single and looking. <laughs> Talk about your planet with the Holy Ghost. Time out. Facebook, single. But there's honor in this man. Listen, listen, listen. Look, look what he does. Look what he says. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her public disgrace. He had a mind to the most quality. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Connecting him to lineage. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Listen. Joseph didn't understand some things. But he did not abandon it because he didn't understand it. 
How many of us, God gives us a word, and just because it doesn't make sense with what we're going through right now, we put it away, we throw it aside. Listen, I'm here to tell you, do not let what you can't see in your right now determine the promise God has deposited in your spirit. And if it doesn't make sense, you keep on taking care of your Mary. And if it doesn't make sense, you keep on loving your Mary. And if it doesn't make sense, you keep being faithful. Because sooner or later, what you don't understand right now, by the time it's time to birth that thing, you will realize that God was in control all along. Listen. His job was not to understand. His job was to make sure she's at the right place at the right time. Look what, look what it says. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the spirit. She will give birth, give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. In the times of the Bible, the father would name the child. Typically, the father would name the child after his own name. Which, by the way, the word Joseph and the word Jesus is the same name. It wasn't coincidental. In the Hebrew, Joseph means Savior. Jesus, Yeshua, Savior. What is this? You will give birth to a son, and you're going to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So now Joseph has to hide the scandal, has to hide Mary because of a pregnancy he had nothing to do with. It doesn't make sense to him, but he's obedient. He's thinking, Mary, but mama, I didn't touch you. We didn't do coochie coochie. How in the world are you pregnant? And I had nothing. No, 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 no. Listen, it's okay not to know. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay not to have clarity. But what is not okay is until I get clarity, I will obey. No, I'm going to obey even though it don't make sense. I'm going to obey even though I can't see it. And like God told Abraham, give me your son, the only son, the one you love. And right, he's about to kill him right that God made a way. God wants your obedience. He was unable to understand this conception. Yet he was faithful in the midst of his uncertainties to take Mary to the right place at the right time. My God, my time is up. So this conception was necessary for incarnation. All of this drama was necessary for God to enter into Mary. What Paul calls in the Greek the kenosis, that God emptied, this is, that God emptied himself. And the Bible says that God became flesh. Incarnation is God with us. God used flesh to show himself. Which my point in this is the flesh is not of the devil. Sin is of the devil, not the flesh. Because God came in flesh. This is why John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the word, referring to Jesus, and the word became flesh 
and it dwelt, and he dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And this guy, born in a manger. John, do you think Jesus was homeless? Jesus wasn't homeless. Jesus couldn't, Jesus could not have been born in a palace, could not have been born in a, in a church, could not have been born in a He was born out in the open. Why? Because the world is his. His address was, had Jesus been born in a hospital, everybody would have revered the hospital. But Jesus was born in the world. Why? Because the world is his. Psalms 24, 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it. On the seas and establish it on the waters. Isaiah 66 and 1 says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. He said, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is, where is the house you will build for me? Where is my resting place? Where it shall be? Why? Because Jesus was born exactly where he needed to be born. Not in an address, not in a hotel, not in a palace, not in a house. He was born out for what? So that the entire world could have access. Had Jesus been born in a palace, only royalty can go in. Had Jesus been born in a synagogue, only the religious could have gone in. But he was born to the world so that the world could embrace the birth of the Savior. Listen to me. I got to close. So he's born. Born of a woman. But born in the spirit. When my kids were born. They will always say, as soon as the baby will come out, oh, he looked like his mother. Oh, he looked like his father. No, he looks like him. He looks like him. But anyway, Jesus, when he was born, he had aspects of him that were from his mother, Mary, but he also had aspects of him that were from his father, God. So when you see Jesus at a wedding, Cain of Galilee's wedding. That's, he went with Mary, his mom, to wedding. That was the part of Jesus, of Mary rather. But in the middle of the wedding, when he's there, it's the side of his mother. But in the middle of the wedding, hey, we ran out of, we ran out of wine. And Jesus turned wine into wine. That's the side of his father. Jesus cried for the death of his friend Lazarus. That's his mother's side. But then Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. That's his father's side. Jesus fell asleep in a boat. That's his mother's side. Jesus stood in the wind and the storm said, calm, be quiet, be still. That's his father's side. And I want to let you know that same Christ is in you. So he understands your humanity, but he understands his divinity. And sometimes he'll cry with you, but I want you to know that he's going to give you victory. Sometimes he's going to weep with you, but I'm here to tell you he's the paraclete. He's your counselor. He's your advocate. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And yes, you might be crying right now, but the same God that cried is the same God that has power. And I'm going to tell you he is alive in you today. We got to go. Listen, listen. He was born. He was born in the middle of a scandal. He was born in the middle of a crisis. So my prayer today is that Jesus may be born regardless of the scandal you might be going through. 
regardless of the crisis you might be going through, regardless of how rough and tough life has been, why don't we invite Jesus in? Jesus in. And let him take his place in our lives. So I want to pray. If you're here and Jesus has not been born in you, you might have been conceived of him. Oh, I know about Jesus. I know about Christmas. I know about God. I know, yeah, you that's conception. But if Jesus has not been born in you, why don't you give him an opportunity to enter in your heart? And you that are watching online, Port Richie, all over the campuses, why don't you allow Jesus to be born in your life and give him full control and full access of your life? So if you're here, I want everybody to please close your, close your eyes and bow your heads. And I'm going to make an altar call. I'm going to open the floor for you and I to respond to the invitation Jesus makes us. He says, allow me to be birthed. Allow me to be born in you. So if you want Jesus, not religion, Jesus. At the count of three, I want you to lift your hand and we're going to pray. All over this room. Here we go. One, two, three. If you want Jesus, raise your hand. If you want Jesus, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, put those hands together. Put those hands together. Put those hands together, church. Put those hands together. Put those hands together. And if you online want Jesus, I want you to repeat this prayer with me alongside with those that raise their hands in this room. And it is our custom. When somebody gets saved, we all pray them in. So everybody here at the count of three, repeat this prayer with me alongside my sister. Say, dear Jesus, I believe that you are God and you sent Jesus, your son, to save me from my sin. I receive Jesus. I acknowledge that he came to this world so that I may embrace the greatest gift God has ever given me. I recognize I am a sinner in need of a savior. Wash me and clean me with the blood of Jesus. And with your help, I promise to serve you for the rest of my life. I thank you because I am saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, put those hands together. Amen and amen.